Today we're talking about hope. We're talking about the promises of God in the series that we've been in. And I want to kind of wind up with this one. God promises us hope. And our passage we're going to read today is one verse. And we're using the Christian Standard Bible. And uh, like we did last Sunday, I would invite you to join in the reading of this one verse of Scripture. So let's put the verse on the screen here. And uh, let's read it together, all right? Are you ready? This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There are two kinds of hope. That's the two uh, points of this two-hour sermon. Uh, There's horizontal hope, and then there's heavenly hope. Horizontal hope is the hope that you find around you in this world. Uh, We have a horizontal relationship with this world. Think of it that way. And uh, many people are looking to this world for their entire hope. And one thing's for sure about this hope from this world is it will disappoint you. Remember what he said in the text there? The heavenly hope we're going to talk about later will not disappoint. But the hope of this world, and if you're uh, putting all your eggs in the basket of this world, you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking for things and people to be your hope, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, David Tripp writes in his book, uh, New Morning Mercies, he says, "If if you hook the hope of your heart, Let's try to say it again. If you hook the hope of your heart on the people around you, you will be disappointed. So if your hope is in people, if your hope is in the pleasure of this world, if your hope is in the things of this world and acquiring things of this world, you're going to be disappointed. Because that's a horizontal hope. You're going to be disappointed. In fact... The hope that's horizontal of this world is kind of a trap. There is a prince of this world who is governed by the sovereignty of God that is allowed to continue to trick you and me, lure you and me. In fact, the word for sin in the New Testament book of James, the word for temptation rather, is the word lure, like a fishing lure. And Satan uses that lure to trick you into thinking that something in this world, something that has caught your attention other than God, something that's caught your attention and taken over your thinking, you think that's going to make me happy. That's going to fulfill my life. But know that every relationship and every person in this world is temporary. And everything in this world is will die away and one day be gone. So don't fall for that trap. Richard mentioned earlier about the groundhogs. Yeah, we're trying to catch groundhogs at our house up in Louisville, there in the Oklahoma area. I've got a, about a three-quarter acre of backyard that backs into a park, and my neighbor doesn't cut his yard, and so we have a lot of groundhogs. And now this is true. And so um, my other neighbor up the street is... Um, uh, is, he calls himself the bug man. He has a kind of like a Terminex, you know, he has his own business. And so Louis 
has trained me to use uh, one of the traps that he uses to catch animals. And so, so far, we've caught one raccoon, two possums, and five groundhogs. So, Lynn and I are really get into this, getting into this thing of trying to catch animals. And, um, of course, we take them uh, several miles down the road to a lake, and they just love it when they get to get out. We don't kill them. We catch and release, okay? So all of you animal people out there that's worried about what we're doing with the raccoons, we're, we're, we're releasing them. But the trap of this world will not release you until you are released by the heavenly hope. Jesus Christ, who's the Son of God, who came into this world to redeem us, deliver us, rescue us from the lure of sin and its consequences, which is death. What's the difference then between optimism and hope? Optimism is a kind of this world hope, if you will. I've read a few definitions this week. One of them I thought was worth thinking about. You know what optimism is. I hope it rains. I hope I make good grades at school. I, I hope uh, Linda Lou will bring home some uh, uh, ice cream, you know, from, from the store. I, I hope I have enough gas to get to the next gas pump. Um, I'm hoping gas prices will come down, but I am not optimistic, Robert. I am not optimistic at this time. Uh, Brother Condon says that uh, an optimist lacks information. See, we don't know what the weather's going to be like, so we hope that it rains or hope that the skies stay clear. That's a kind of optimism. Because we lack information, we still have a positive attitude. But a person of hope, he says, has encountered Jesus Christ. And there is a hope that is beyond this world as we think about a heavenly hope. An optimist thinks about life's going to be better and better. Hopefully life will get better and better. Never, never forget when I went to college, my first history class, the professor asked, let's talk about is the world getting better and better or, or, or worse and worse. And at that age, you know, at the age of like 19 or 20, man, life couldn't get any worse than where I came from. And for me, it was just getting better and better. So I wrote this essay and lived a whole lot of my life about optimistically thinking and positive thinking, and that really kept me going to achieve a lot of real good things. But I neglected my personal relationship to Jesus Christ because it dawned on me at a certain age that I'm not going to live forever in this life, no matter how good things get. Seminary, I learned to read Henry Nouwen. And Henry Nouwen said, Optimism is the expectation that things will get better. Hope is the trust that God will fulfill God's promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. Jesus' hope was not based on things getting better and better. In fact, for Jesus, things got worse and worse. Because the longer he lived here on this earth in those 30, 33 years times got more and more and more and more difficult for him to endure, even as the Son of God. But Nowen says, rather, 
Jesus believed that the Heavenly Father was with him in all circumstances. All circumstances. Now we're beginning to get a glimmer of what hope really is. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Optimism is positive thinking. You need that. But optimism has its limits. And it's based upon the lack of knowledge. But we have full knowledge of where we're going to spend eternity because we believe in the Son of God who was raised from the dead by the power of God. Folks, He is our hope. Christ is our hope. Danielle Carney wrote an article in Christianity Today said that she suffered from cancer for many years. She was traumatized from the scars of that cancer on her skin. It changed the whole makeup of her body and appearance. But she said, I had hope that in times of despair, hope would always be there. She said, hope gives me the freedom to carry on with my life no matter where it takes me. I've been through that too. Passed the Air Force fitness test for 29 years. The year I retired, I lost my colon. And I've been in recovery since. And this is the new me. I used to kid people, say, I, I used to be pretty and smart. Now I'm fat, dumb, and ugly. <laughs> this hernia I carry, this is the new me. And it's been quite a challenge. But I also have a new relationship with my Lord Jesus Christ. I can't quote it directly, but I do remember reading someone saying that hang on to Christ in your times of despair. And during those times of despair, He will bring you to new heights of greater hope. Because you see, hope is born out of despair. Now stay with me here. Don't miss this. This is as good a Bible as you'll get all day. You won't hear this good a Bible preaching anywhere on TV, anywhere, or theologically sound. This will, this will make your day and be worth your time coming. Where does hope come from? It comes from the roots of despair circumstances remember the scripture that we read just a moment ago can we go back to that slide Tara can we go back to that slide now I want you to see this scripture and listen to it because now I'm going to read to you the previous scriptures verses 1, 2, 3 and 4 now think about what I said hope comes from despair it rises out of despair anybody ever had a time where you really kind of lost in the fog of life? You ever had an experience where you just don't know what to do? When you've lost so many things in your life, you think, I can't take any more pain and suffering? Have you ever been there? Well, folks, that's where hope begins to rise. Listen to the Apostle Paul write in Romans 5, verse 1. We have been justified by faith 
having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, hope is vertical. It's our relationship to God. Through whom also we've obtained the introduction by faith into grace in which we stand, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Not only this, now listen to despair and what, it, what hope will do with it. But we exalt in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance brings about proven character. And proven character brings about hope. Hope is birthed in the moments of our despair only because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. You ever felt like the storms and the battles of life are just trying to put your light out? I mean, has life gotten so chaotic, confusing, troubling, painful, and hurting that it's like the world is trying to put my lights out? I heard the story about a, a painting that an artist uh, composed, and as he was painting this picture, he painted one of the gloomiest winter scenes that could possibly be imagined. You could see the wind blowing the, the evergreens as they leaned over, filled with snow. You could see the, the gloom of the painting, the, the colors of gloom all over that painting. That's what you first saw when you, when you looked at this painting. But if you look a little bit closer toward the frozen creek, there was a little cabin. And in that little cabin, there was one window that had a light on. And when you look at that light, it was flickering as if it was never going to go out. Folks, that's hope. That's the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died, yes. Jesus Christ was buried, yes. But Jesus on the third day was raised from the dead and He is our hope. Amen? He is our hope. So let's talk about this hope that never goes out, never goes away, never abandons us, will always come to us, will always be with us and in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because watch that scripture that we're reading. Watch it on the board. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out, poured out, poured out in our hearts, in our hearts. The rest of our body may be suffering. The rest of our body may be scarred. Our emotions may be scarred. Our thoughts may be scarred and mixed up. But we have in our heart the love of Almighty God and we know the light is still on on the inside and we know there's a future. We know there's an eternity. We know there's a God who's compassionate and loving and we know there's a God who cares about me and where I am and what I'm going through and He's going to see me through whatever I'm going through. God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was freely given. He just gave it to us when we were saved. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. So let's talk about this heavenly hope that will not disappoint. Will not disappoint. And uh, if you will, think about an asterisk, H-O-P-E. Let's use that asterisk for hope, H-O-P-E. 
And let's think about what the H means in heavenly hope. Let's let H stand for have a personal relationship with Christ through faith in Him alone. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. God's love, the Scripture says, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God is literally living in us, giving Himself to us. His love is in us, transforming us. Folks, that is a personal relationship with the living God. Hope starts by having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. There's no hope in the world. There's no hope in relationships. Everybody will disappoint you at some time. Everybody will let you down at some time. But Jesus is faithful. And He is alive. And He is real. And He is living inside our hearts through the power and the gift of God's Holy Spirit. It is a personal relationship with the living Christ. So have, H, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. O, second step, O, order, O-R-D-E-R, order your life around kingdom priorities. Look at the text. It says, God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Who was on God's mind when Jesus died on the cross? You were. I was. God singularly loved you as much as anyone else in the world, so much so that He would give His life for you. When God created the world... He created the light, He created the dark, He created the, uh, the, the universe and all that's in it, and the animals, etc., etc., and what did He say? It's good. But when God created Adam and Eve, He said it's what? Very good. You were the last cre in the steps of creation so that all that God made would be for you to be a steward of and manage for His glory. And when we sin. Like Adam and Eve that were dismissed from the garden, we all inherited that tendency to sin. And God knew that our only hope for salvation would be to send Christ Jesus, His only begotten Son, into the world. If God had that kind of priority in His plan and scheme for the universe and His all-of-time salvation, you and I need to know that He loves you and me singularly. In fact, God, listen to this. This is about the providence of God. God has so ordered the world in His sovereignty that according to the Apostle Paul, at the right time, Jesus Christ came into the world. Born of the Virgin Mary. Died on the cross for our sins. Was raised from the grave. Now, I would ask you, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, have you so reset your life in a way that Jesus is number one for you? Seek ye first, the Bible says, the kingdom of God. And all these things of the world that we're anxious about and think we need, he said, will be added unto you. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. That's a priority prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Someone said that's the prayer that God always answers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, when you put God first, family second, Christian friends in the church third, life get, begins to be a lot better. Life goes well. In fact, you'll enjoy living the Ten Commandments. You'll enjoy living God's command. Jesus said, if you love me, you do what I command you to do. Oh boy, I get to serve Jesus. I get to follow Him. Life is exciting. Life makes sense. Life is better. Life is ordered. I don't you know, get arrested nearly as often. I don't go to jail nearly as much when I'm following Jesus Christ and making Him Lord of my life. I don't get addicted to drugs. I don't get addicted to alcohol. I don't get addicted to pornography when I make Jesus number one and Lord of my life. I get out of debt. I learn to tithe. And I want to give more, even a thank offering from time to time, because Jesus is number one. These are things we enjoy and get to do when our life is ordered and reset around the one who put us first, Jesus Christ. H, have a personal relationship with Jesus. O, order your life around kingdom priorities. Three, pause. Everybody breathe with me. <gasps> Do it again. You need to do that about every two or three hours in the day. Pause every day, and when you do, be grateful. Be thankful. Now, I live up in Louisville two or three days a week, down here two or three days a week. And I'll tell you, every time I come down here, I stand on that deck, and I look back to the south and southwest. And uh, if you've ever drawn through, uh, driven through Germany, going from Frankfurt southward to Ramstein Air Force Base, it looks just like coming over the hill of 1238, you know where that is, and Garrett's down at the bottom of the hill, and you look at, yeah, I, I tell Linda every time, this is what Germany looks like, and it's beautiful. And I just, oh, praise the Lord. And I, I thank God for Ekron Baptist Church. Don't tell anybody, but I call y'all the Ekronites or another other place. I thank God for the Ekronites. I thank God for the generosity of this church. I thank God for the fellowship in this church. I thank God for the future of this church. I thank God for saving me. In Romans 8, 32, the Bible says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave himself up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Meaning this, whatever God gave Jesus, he's giving to us. Now, what did God give to Jesus? He gave him a resurrection body, didn't he? That's ours. Take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. I'm going to live forever. Amen? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to live forever. I may die a physical death before I get back to Louisville. Almost happened one time. But I'm really going to live forever. Pause and be thankful. If you leave gratitude out of your life, you become grumpy. Did you know that? If you leave gratitude out of your life, you'll become grumpy. But instead, be thankful. And thank God for your, for your salvation. H, have a personal relationship with Jesus. O, order your life around kingdom priorities. 
Uh, how many of you students going to camp this summer? There you go. Amen. There you go. Got some kingdom priority going there. Pause every day to be thankful. E, and this is the big one. This is the big one. Expect greater things to come from our Heavenly Father. Look at that verse again where it says, This hope will not disappoint us. Folks, greater things are coming, and you need to expect it. Expect God to do greater things in your life because the greatest event to come is your resurrection body raised from the dust of this earth. It's coming. Get ready. He will not disappoint. He will not disappoint. You know, this time of the year where the fireflies come out, isn't it? Anybody watching the fireflies? Two or three? Great, great. Anybody caught a firefly? You ever catch a firefly and put it in a jar? Carry them around? Looky here, looky here, yeah. Um, where I live, there's a, we get about a three-quarter acre going downhill and all kinds of trees like this. And in June every year, we can sit on our back porch as the sun's going down, getting darker and darker. You watch all those fireflies come up out of the ground. And they make their way up into those trees. Now, where I went to college, it's called Natchitoches, Louisiana, Northwestern State University, where Coach O, down there at LSU, Coach O, you remember him? That's where he went to college and played LSU. Uh, played for Northwestern State. We had a Christmas light festival every year. Now, there was this long river lake that went through this little town, and it was lit on both sides with Christmas lights. The whole, the whole uh, month, there was this Christmas light festival. And a town of about 14,000 would have 600,000 guests every year to come see these lights. And it celebrated the birth of Jesus. As I watched those fireflies go up, I thought about all the lights that blink celebrating the birth of Jesus. Blinking white. And then I thought the other night, is this what the resurrection is going to be like? Coming up out of the ground like light ascending into God's holy heaven when all of God's saints are going to receive that resurrection body like Jesus had. And in that resurrection body, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to plead the cross of Jesus Christ, and he's going to look at us and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I wonder if that's the way it's going to be. I thank God for that hope. It keeps me going. And the older I get, the more it means to me. But I pray that you've already given your heart, your mind, your soul, your all to Jesus Christ. And if you have, give thanks to God for this hope. Hold on to that hope in despairing times. This hope will not let you down. This hope will not disappoint you. You will never be put to shame by this hope. The hope from this world, the horizontal hope, will shame you, blame you, and embarrass you because Satan's the one in charge of this world. But the Lord our God who made you and redeemed you in Jesus Christ is in charge of your eternity and sovereign over all this world 
and all that happens. Maybe you've not yet made that decision and you want to give your life to Christ and surrender to Him. We're going to sing a song in a minute. I invite you to come and we'll pray that prayer together and help you to give your life to the Lord. Maybe you're here and you want to unite with our church from a sister church. We invite you to come as well. Let's stand in the spirit of prayer. Our Father, we thank you that we have this blessed hope. A hope the world cannot take away. A hope that will not, be, that will not disappoint us nor shame us. A hope that's eternal. And a hope that's centered in this relationship we have to you through Jesus Christ. Father, as we give this invitation, speak to our hearts about next steps. What do we need to do next in order to follow you faithfully and renew that hope relationship, reset that hope relationship with you? Speak to our hearts, Lord, through your spirit as we sing this invitation song. In Jesus' name we pray. And all who agreed said, amen and amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church. 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.